good way, Miss Judy was Brother Horse. If somebody with little kids were up there singing, Brother Horse was just beaming uh, with a smile, amen, and uh, that was wonderful. Thank you so much, Foltzes, amen, and uh, by the way, I love it, Pastor Brent, you're up there trying, Brody's doing this and checking it out, amen, uh, I love to see parents squirm up here, that's a blessing too, amen. <laughs> You know, the Apostle Paul's life, and it, it takes up, of course, a good portion of the book of Acts, and then it goes, of course, beyond in his writings. But the Apostle, the, the Apostle Paul's life, who was once Saul, was a life of contention at first. Remember, we, we talked about this last week in, in the morning message, but remember, he started off by being at Stephen's death, consenting unto his death, and making havoc of the church. That, that's what he did in the church. He made havoc of it. He, he hailed men and women who called themselves Christians and brought them in and sent them to prison. So it started with contention, but praise God there was a conversion wasn't there. On the Damascus Road, he had an encounter with the risen Christ. And he was saved right then and there. He, he believed on the Lord. And then his life went from contention to conversion to conviction, didn't it? You know, the Apostle Paul is one of those people that quite literally, he got saved and he got right into the ministry. And God had a special ministry for him. He would say that in Acts chapter 9, how great things Paul would suffer in his ministry. But he, when I say he was a man of conviction, we find him as a man of conviction in the fact that he was a preacher of the gospel. In our text today at the beginning, I love verse 2. It says there, And Paul... As his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. A, a dear friend of mine, Brother Phil Tharp, used to say about Paul, he said, as Paul is on his missionary journeys, you will notice him as he comes to town. He looked for two places, and it wasn't the Holiday Inn or the gas station. He looked for the synagogue and the jail. Because he knew he was going to be at one first and then at the other one. Amen. He was a man of conviction when he came to preaching. He went into the synagogue. And you remember, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he knew his stuff. And he went in and reasoned with them. And what, what did he reason with them? Verse 3 says, Opening, alleging that this Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. The gospel. Amen. That Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And so he was a, he was a man of conviction in the fact that he was a preacher. You know what else he was? He was a missionary, wasn't he? He was somebody that was going to places where the gospel had not been named and taking it there. Oh, I thank God for our missionaries. You know, and I, they're, they're all different. Uh, I, I see Miss Barb is here tonight. Thank you for your work with Bibles International and getting the Word of God and to, to places where it wasn't and all your years in Peru. Thank you for that, Miss Barb. Just helping MKs. Amen. Simple ways to help. I, I think of people like uh, Jason and Cherith Otteson. And I remember reading their last letter. 
You know what they were doing? Felling trees and milling wood in the jungles of Papua New Guinea for a building. Amen? Missionary. Paul made tents, didn't he? While, while he was doing missionary work. And so he was a missionary. You know what else he was in, in regards to a preacher and a missionary? He was also a church planter. Paul was a church planter. He went to a place and all of a sudden he'd get a little group of believers together and he'd strengthen them and you find him in different places in Ephesus for uh, three years and I think first uh, he was in Corinth, uh, Corinth for a year and a half and, and the next thing you know he would leave and leave this little group of believers and a church would start. But you know, if you're going to be a preacher of the gospel and missionary and you're going to be a church planner, you're going to have to have something that Paul also had. And that was the fact that Paul loved God's people. Paul loved God's people. In Romans, let's go there, let's look at a few of these scriptures here. Go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verse number 8, please. Now it starts in verse 7, and again, I won't make you read these names, amen? It's a laundry list of names here, but just imagine if some of these were our people, and a missionary had popped through, and he said, hey, say hello to this one for me, and I remember this one, and verse 7 says, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, whom also were in Christ before me. Greet Amphipolis, my beloved in the Lord. That's a great word, great Bible word. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. And Apollos approved in Christ, salute them which are of Aristobulus' house, Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are of the Lord. Salute Tryphema and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. You see that word beloved over and over and over again. I think about 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren. He loved these Christians at Rome. He loved the church at Corinth. Later, he would say in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Didn't change Paul's love for the people at Corinth, the people at Rome, the people at Ephesus, the people at Philippi. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter number 1. Ah, these are such wonderful verses. Verse 3 of Philippians 1. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. What a great verse that is. Can you think of someone right now in your Christian life that every time you think of them, you thank God for them. I wish I, I wish I could say that, amen. I wish people would think of me that way. I don't.
that it's that way, but I know there's people in my life that I could think of that way. As soon as I think of them, I thank God for them. And then he goes on, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day into now. What's he saying here? He said, oh, Church of Philippi, I, man, I love you. Boy, I love you. I thank God for you. If you look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, just what he calls the, the, the Philippians here. And of course, chapter 4 is a great chapter. It's really a missions church. Philippi was Church of Philippi was a missionary-minded church that helped Paul quite a bit. He says there in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. Use that word twice, amen. See, Paul loved the people of God at Rome, at Philippi, at Ephesus, at Galatia, at Colossae. Fill in the blank of all the places that he went. He loved the people of God. One of the great stories of survival of the 21st century is the story of Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell. It was immortalized in a a book called The Lone Survivor. It was made into a Hollywood movie, but the basic story is that he and three fellow Navy SEALs were dropped in the mountains of Afghanistan in 2005 as part of Operation Red Wing, which was to capture and or liquidate a senior Taliban militia leader who had killed United States Marines. While setting up an observation post, the SEAL team was confronted by two goat herders and a teenage boy. The SEALs tried to communicate with headquarters but could not reach them because of the terrain that they were in. And they decided to release the goat herders knowing that they would probably alert the Taliban as to their presence there. The SEALs moved up the mountain, took up defensive positions, but within an hour, dozens of enemy soldiers with AK-47s and RPGs, rocket-propelled grenades, forced the SEALs down the awful terrain. They literally jumped off of ridges and cliffs and scrambled down the mountain. All the SEALs were wounded. One was shot multiple times. Luttrell himself shattered three vertebrae falling down the mountain. The one who was shot multiple times, Luttrell was the medic of the group. He was helping that one and he was shot again and died in Luttrell's arms. Michael Murphy, the commanding officer of the four, who would receive the Congressional Medal of Honor posthumously, sacrificed his life to call for help. 
went to an area where it was completely exposed. They didn't, couldn't make communications with their gear, and he had what they call a sat phone, satellite phone. And he literally gave his life. And he made the call, and two Chinook helicopters, those are the big ones, the chubby ones with the two propellers, came, and one had eight seals and eight night stalkers to come and rescue the two that were left, Luttrell and a man named Axelson. And one of the Chinooks was getting ready to land, and when it was hit with an RPG, and all 16 soldiers, pilots, soldiers, died trying to retrieve these two. Axelson would die from his wounds. Latrell would avoid capture and continue to work his way down the mountain. When he came to a waterfall and he went in and began to hydrate himself, and all of a sudden he was surrounded by a band of men. But they were not Taliban. They were from the village nearby called Sabre. And they were bound by a code of honor and hospitality called Pashtunwali. And it meant that they were responsible for this person who they brought into their village as their guest and that literally the entire village would fight to defend their guest. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. They provided Latrell with food and water and shelter, clothing, shuttling him from house to house for four days to avoid the Taliban's capture. All putting their own lives on the line. And then Mohammed Gulag, who was the man that Luttrell had met there at the waterfall, sent his father to the Marine headquarters. He walked over the mountains to the Marine headquarters and told him Marcus Luttrell had given him a note that says, I am Marcus Luttrell and praise God for the United States military springing into action to get their own. That's one of the great things about our military. We don't leave our people behind. And they rescued their warrior. But if it weren't for this band of noble people, the trial would have been executed, would have had his head cut off. You know, it tells us in our text, if you go back to Acts chapter 17, please, there's a word that's used. says there in verse 11, verse, it starts in verse 10, it says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto where? Berea. 
who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So there's Paul's manner, amen? <laughs> right back to the synagogue, preaching Christ. And then it says this about the Bereans. It says, these were more, what? Noble than those in Thessalonica. So, I want you to notice with me about these noble Bereans. I want you to notice three things, and then we're going to look at just some applications tonight. Notice the, the noble Bereans' recognition, first of all. It says there that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Again, if you know your English right now, you understand that there's a comparative there. It meant that those that were in Thessalonica were noble. Uh, and, and we'll look at why in just a moment. But the Bereans were more noble. Isn't it a blessing to be recognized for something good and right that you do? You know, we kind of we have this idea that humility is always all shucks. You know, gee. You know, it is okay to do your best at something and be recognized for it. And we give the glory to God. I mentioned in Brother Kelly's funeral, Brother Kelly would never be somebody who uh, would praise himself for anything. But the Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own self. It's all right to praise faithful people. It's all right to praise. And Paul here gives us a great example. He said, hey, those in Thessalonica, they were noble. They were a blessing. I love them. But this crowd in Berea, they were more noble. Wow. That's saying something when Paul says that about you. Paul thought very well of the Thessalonians but he thought the Bereans were more noble. So their recognition, the recognition of the Bereans. But secondly, notice with me the reception of the Bereans. I mentioned that why Paul thought about the Thessalonians. Hold your spot here in Acts chapter 17 and go with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's a very similar verse to the one we're looking at here. It's interesting great verse, one of my favorite verses, <clears throat> is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse number 13, it says there, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, it says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because... When ye receive the word of God, so we're talking about the reception here, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And I love this back part here. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Why is it for some people they think, well, the word of God doesn't really mean anything to me, and I've never really seen any results. You know what it says? It says it effectually works in people that believe it. Your problem is you don't believe it. Amen. But he he talks here about the, the reception of the Thessalonians and how they, they received when, when Paul preached the word of God to them, they, they didn't receive it as Paul's sermon. They received it as the word of God. 
hope you do that when you sit in the pew. I hope as any preacher, but especially your pastor, as I preach this blessed book week after week, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, that you, when it is preached that you say, that is the word of God. Certainly worthy of our time, certainly worthy of our attention, certainly worthy of us to turn our phones off. It's not because I'm up here speaking. It's because this is God's word. And the Thessalonians received it that way. But then it says, if you go back to Acts 17. So again, Paul thought a lot about the Thessalonians. He, he was pleased with them. He shared that with them. What's he say in Acts chapter 17, verse 11? About those in Berea. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. The Thessalonians were noble in their reception. The Bereans, more noble. So let's look thirdly at the reasons. The reasons why the Bereans were noble. It says there, first of all, it says in verse 17, it says that they received the word with what? All readiness of mind. That mean, you know what that means? It means they were eager to hear it. They were eager to hear it. I love, I love the, I, I call it the buzz before service. I've, I've said that to the deacons before. I, I love when you just come in and you can hear people just talking, fellowshipping, laughing, enjoying each other's presence. And you know that these people are here. They're here for, for, to obey God. They're here to, to, you know, with their fellow brothers and sisters, but they're here to, to hear the word of God. That's the readiness of mind. Readiness of mind. They receive the word with all readiness of mind. I, I, Uncle Joe's not here tonight. His wife Dana, uh, she said she's a blessing. She 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 leans forward. Things you notice when you you're preaching. Amen. She leans forward. And and brother Lawley, she's tuned in. She's just tuned in. And it, by the way, it doesn't mean you have to lean. Everybody starts leaning forward. The whole church will tip over. Amen. Uh, everybody's different. You know, some people are making notes. And that's how they're paying attention. Others, like my precious wife, are doodlers. Amen. And I'll say, there'll be times where she's doodling. I'll say, what did the preacher just say? And she'll quote it back to me exactly. And I think, well, Amen. All ready. What were the reasons why the Bereans were more noble? Their readiness of mind. Secondly, they're searching. It says here, it says, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched. They searched. What does that mean? They investigated. They examined what Paul was saying. They didn't just take it. You know, a lot of cults start because people just take it and don't search the scriptures. Hmm? It says not only the reasons of their readiness of mind, they're searching, but what was their object? They didn't search the Reader's Digest. Huh? They didn't search the commentaries, and I'm not against commentaries. I'm really not. I got tons of them. 
They're a blessing. But you know what they searched? They searched the scriptures. They searched, that was the object that made them noble. You know what you ought to do? You ought to set out in your life to say, you know what, with all readiness of mind, I'm going to search the scriptures. I'm going to search the scriptures, make sure those things are so. So, their readiness of mind, their searching, their object, and then you know what else was made them noble was their, their faithfulness. What's it say? How often did they search the scriptures? Daily. You know, I can't help but, <clears throat> again, mention Mr. Kelly. I mentioned it in, on Friday. But I've been over to Mr. Kelly's house uh, sometimes in the morning. And uh, they have that, I guess you call it a front room breezeway, is what we used to call it, just kind of an entryway room there. Brother Boston and I'd see his Bible and his devotional. And his devotional would have a check mark next to that day. And then when he finished it, he would make it into an X. And you know what he did every day? He read his Bible and he had his devotions. You know, you know what make, listen, you know what will make you a great Christian? Every day, read your Bible and have your devotions. Daily. Daily. See, it was the fact that they did that daily that made them more noble. It was the fact that they searched the scriptures that made them more noble. It was the fact that with all readiness of mind made them noble. I love this. You know what else made them noble? Their purpose. What was their purpose in searching the scriptures? It says it right there. It says, and search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Huh? Their purpose was whether those things were so. Oh, we love you. We appreciate you. But we want to make sure what you're saying is correct. So... Here's our applications tonight. Simple applications. I've, I've just got uh, some simple ones. Number one, you can be a noble Berean. You can be, or I guess we put it this way, you can be a noble Jacksonian. Amen? From Jackson. Or a Munithian. Or a Rives Junction. Amen? <laughs> Wherever we're from. You can be noble. How? Number one, read your Bible. Here's what it says, Isaiah 34, 16. Seek ye out the book of the law and read. Read your Bible. Read it. Read it, read it, read it. Read it every day. Say, I, I don't think I get... Don't, listen, don't get hung up in the deep waters of Ezekiel. Read Romans. Read, follow that schedule. You, listen, before you know it, you will begin grasping more and more and more. Reading is to the Christian what eating is to your body. It is nourishment. Read it. Read it. Secondly, not only read the Bible, meditate upon the Bible. You know what that means? Think about it. Think about what you've just read. How many of you, if you're like me, oh my goodness, I'll read two chapters. In the middle of the chapter, I'll say, what am I reading? Anybody else like that? Your mind just wanders a, a million, you know, you, got, you know what you got to do? You got to go back and you got to meditate 
upon what you read. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2 says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Listen to me. What delights us, directs us. And if the Word of God and meditating upon the Word of God, if that is your delight, it will direct you. It's not enough to just read it. You need to meditate upon it. You need to think about it. Think about what you've just read. And there's all kinds of questions you can ask yourself. Is, is there a command to be obeyed? Is there a sin to be forsaken? Is there a principle to be applied of what you just read and help you to meditate upon it? Thirdly, let me encourage you to memorize verses of the Bible. Memorize verses of the Bible. Each week in our Facebook page for our church, we have a weekly memory verse. Weekly memory verse. We can go on the Loomis Park Baptist Church Facebook page, and, and there's a verse on there. And, and we've been going through particular subjects. I think this month is the deity of Christ. We've been doing the deity of Christ. And just, just memorizing verses that hold precious truth. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 119? Verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Read your Bible. Meditate upon your Bible. Memorize your Bible. Hey, this goes without saying, but I think we still need to say it. Obey the Bible. See, some people want to read the Bible, they want to understand the Bible, but they're not going to obey the Bible. I promise you this, if you'll read the Bible and try to understand the Bible without obeying the Bible, it won't happen. It won't happen. Here's what the Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. We've said it so many times from this pulpit, one of the great stories that Jesus told, one of the great lessons that Jesus gave, one of the great parables that Jesus gave was of the two builders. One was wise and one was foolish. One built his house upon the rock, one built his house upon the sand. What was the difference between the two? One heard the word of God and did it. And he was wise and he built his house upon the rock. And one heard the exact same thing, didn't do it, built his house upon the sand, his house fell and great was the fall of it. Listen, you've got to determine. We talked about choices this morning. You've got to determine. Again, I, I hate to keep bringing up Mr. Kelly. I probably will for a few months now, amen. But Mr. Kelly, I believe his attitude was, if the Bible says it, I'm going to do it. And every one of us needs that attitude. Want to be a noble Berean? Read your Bible. Meditate upon your Bible. Memorize your Bible. Obey your Bible. And study your Bible. Study your Bible. I've got just a few, few modes or methods, I guess, would, would be just ways to study your Bible. Some ways to study your Bible that will help you. Um, let me just, I've got a few study Bibles here actually. This one is not, this one is my own personal study Bible. It's a wide margin Bible. And I love this Bible. This, this is my Bible. If I had to give up all my Bibles, I would keep this one. 
And it's, it's just got wide margins. It's, it's, I marked it as I uh, have devotions or heard a sermon or whatever. It's got plenty of room to write and, and whatnot. And, and this, is, this has become, through the years, my devotional Bible. Basically, Lord willing, I plan to give it to my kids. I'm, I'm, I'm copying it right now for Katia. I've been writing a devotional for my boys through their teen years, and I'm copying all the notes in this, 25 years' worth of notes. And if you're somebody like me, that's a lot of notes. A lot of devotions, amen? But I plan to, Lord willing, is to let my boys fight over this one, and then Katia to have her own during her teen years, with Dad's notes in it. But that's, that's a way you can, you can study your Bible devotionally. You can make notes and you can uh, write down sermon notes along in a, in a Bible like this. Um, another way you can study, and I have this one here. This one is the, uh, the Life Application Study Bible. My sister-in-law gave this to my wife and I on our, on our wedding. Uh, and here's a way you can study the Bible. You can study characters of the Bible. It's a great way to study your Bible. Uh, we did a, a sermon series last year on Joseph. Amen? Joseph's a great character in the Bible. David is a great character in the Bible. By the way, great failure David had, but also great success. That will encourage you in your study. Uh, there are others. There's Peter. In this particular Bible, this Life Application Study Bible, has some great character sketches. It'll tell you positives and negatives about the character, some lessons that we can learn. And so studying, studying by character is a great way. You know, another great way to study your Bible and get a study Bible is to study by book of the Bible. Uh, many of you know I've, I've preached through several books of the Bible. i preached through John. I've taught through James and Jude. Amen. Jude was long. Ephesians was really long. Amen. And uh, just thorough. Just going through a book of the Bible. Uh, you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Hey, start in Philippians. It's the epistle of joy. It's four chapters long. You can read Philippians in ten minutes. But you want to study it, it takes a little longer, doesn't it? You can study a, study a book of the Bible. Study a character of the Bible. I think a great way to study a Bible, and I have uh, a couple of study Bibles here. One is called the Open Bible. This is the one I recommend. Uh, some of you have this one. It, if you see it in our bookstore, it has that gray cover with the blue uh, lettering on it. Mine's leather bound. But um, a great way to study your Bible is by topic. Study a topic. Say, what's a topic, Pastor? Brother Lolly brought a great devotion in our deacons meeting today on the topic of compassion. That's a topic. Amen? I think of, uh, what are some other topics? Uh, I think of, what, remember where uh, God is called I Am? You know, that's a great study in the Gospel of John when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the resurrection. I am the vine. Great study. Great way to study your Bible. So you can study a topic. You can study prayer. You can study redemption. We talked about redemption this morning. You can study about the Lamb. What a study that is through the Word of God. And then another way to study your Bible, and it's a way that I like in particular as you're reading your Bible, and if you, you make notes or you make marks or whatever, is to, to do a word study. 
a particular word. We did that on Wednesday night. Anybody remember what it was? It was the word daily. Thank you, Brother John. Amen. It was the word daily. Just a simple word study. Looking at it. Listen, here's what I want for you. I don't want you to walk around with this head of Bible knowledge and think yourself to be something. Not at all. That's not it. It's that God would say about you, they're more noble than this crowd over here because they search the scriptures daily whether those things are so. So, here's what I would say to you. This year, we talked about choices this morning. Why don't you make up your mind, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Not every couple of days, not every once in a while. I'm going to read my Bible every day. Not only am I going to read it, I'm going to meditate upon it. I'm going to think about it. That's why I think a devotional helps. In addition to reading your Bible, having a devotional. And just having a particular text that you're just thinking about. Chewing on as the day goes. Memorize your Bible. You know, there's some verses that every Christian ought to know. Every Christian. I, I used to have a, <clears throat> a list. I, I've probably still got it somewhere. 52 verses every Christian ought to memorize. And there's, there's so many of them. There's so many verses that you can memorize. And by the way, when you're memorizing, you're meditating, aren't you? You're thinking about it. Thinking about God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Boy, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's John 3.17. And I keep going. Amen. There's just so many great verses to memorize. Read the Bible. Meditate upon the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Obey the Bible. Obey the Bible. You ought to read John chapter 14, verse 15 and verse 21. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says in verse 21, he that loveth me keepeth my commandments. He that loveth me not keepeth not my commandments. Obey the Bible. Doesn't mean you'll never slip up. Doesn't mean you'll never stumble. But it means your life will be one of general obedience to the word of God. And you'll be blessed for it because God always blesses obedience. And then study the Bible. Take some time this year and study the Bible. Study a character. One of, one of the things I love about this, this open Bible is the first 300 pages. First 300 pages of this. It's called a Biblical Cyclopedic Index. You know what it is? It's a subject index for study. And it's phenomenal. I have used so many of these in personal studies and sermons. I've used this information like, oh, that's so good. Amen. And uh, you just, you get, Mr. Merrill, you get hung up studying. See, some people, some people are readers and some people are, are diggers. Amen. And I'm more of a digger, so I have to force myself to be a reader. And some people are more readers and they have to force themselves to do some digging. Amen. Tell you what, study the Bible. Study, study a character. Study a book. Study a topic. Study a word. Just study the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And you know what? You'll be, you'll be a noble Berean. 
You'll be in the, and that's what I want for you. I want you to make this year the year of the Word of God in your life. Father, we love you. Please.